Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting digital. Now, let's tune in to the message for today. Every word we choose to speak carries weight. Weight that releases from our intentions and is set in motion on one or two paths. Paths that are clearly defined and kept in line by the power of the tongue. Path one, where our words are aimed to destroy. Harsh words filled with hate-filled lies that just add to the noise. But these same words can be sent down another path. A path where our intentions and our words can beautifully aspire to send words of blessing on a destiny to inspire true words spoken in love that are meant to lift higher for there's no such thing as wasted breath because our words are breathing fire. So I was preparing for the message this week and I stumbled across some uh, pretty interesting statistics about the amount of words that we use every day. Um, now, I don't know whether or not to believe it or not, but you know, I found it on the internet, so it's gotta be true. So uh, the, 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 this is what the statistics said. They said uh, that the average man expends about 7,000 words a day. And I was pretty astonished by that until I read the other statistic. And it said the average woman speaks about 20,000 words a day. Now I began thinking about that and I thought, man, this is making a lot of things a whole lot more, you know, makes things much more sensible, don't they, right? You can, you can apply whatever application or, you know, thing you wanna do to that. Um, I actually read uh, about a husband who stumbled across those statistics as well and so he was reading them to his wife. He was saying, you know, honey, that, uh, that, that uh, women speak 13,000 more words a day than men do, and the, to the, which the wife replied, well, that makes a whole lot of sense because we have to repeat everything we say to you men. <laughs> yeah. To which the husband replied, what'd you say, honey? <laughs> the truth is, is that we do spend a whole lot of, uh, uh, a lot of words throughout the day, which means that we have a lot of opportunities to get it wrong, right? You think about all of the opportunities that you had to say the right thing this week and unfortunately we ended up saying the wrong thing this week. We had the opportunity to say something in a tone that was positive and constructive and uh, we said things in a tone that was something other than positive and constructive. We can think about all the conversations that we had just this week. I remember just this past week, I was preparing for this message. I'd spent all day reading passages about how powerful our words were. And then I got home and my kids were crazy and I, I lost it. I was like, I, I just spent a whole day looking at what God's word says about our words and I blew it, right? The truth is, is that most of us, if, um, if, if we were honest, we wish we could go through life with one of these buttons, right? That at some point in your life, you wish you could push the rewind button and unsay something that you said or undo the damage that you, uh, you caused by the words that you said. The truth is, is that our words are incredibly powerful. We've talked about that over the past couple of weeks, how powerful our words can be. Um, but but the, the, the truth still remains that you and I have a real challenge with our words, don't we? It's a consistent and uh, a consistent challenge that we have to overcome. Now, here's the truth, guys. I really believe that God's word has some very clear 
and some very powerful things to say about our words and how you and I could avoid saying things that we'll end up regretting. Um, and as a matter of fact, I believe God's word makes a pretty big deal about the words that we use. And until we really come to grips with why it's such a big deal, then we won't really even figure out how to, how to make it right. So what I wanna do today is we've been in the book of James the past couple of weeks. What I wanna do is turn over to the book of Ephesians to a very familiar passage. The passage is in Ephesians chapter four, and the verse is uh, 29. This is how it reads. It says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, what you're gonna see in this particular passage is that Paul is making a really big deal about the words that we use, right? And, and to understand this passage, we first have to understand when he says that, that we're not to allow any kind of unwholesome word to come out of our mouth, what does he mean by the word unwholesome. So what I did this last week is I went through the entirety of scripture and I'd started pulling out verses that talked about the words that we used. And I tried to find the words in, in the Bible that talked, um, that, that Paul would describe as unwholesome. And I came up with a list. Now, mind you, it's not exhaustive, but it is, I think it gives us a pretty good start. The Bible calls unwholesome words, words like gossip or slander, words that are deceitful, or harsh. The Bible says that words that are obscene and crude, these are, this is what we would describe as unwholesome words or words that are abusive. It even includes uh, complaining or critical words in this category. Malicious, careless, angry. And the truth is, is that we put this list up here. It doesn't take us very long to find ourselves or a conversation that we had just this last week that would be included on this list. But I really believe that if Paul were to sit with us today, he would include on this list not just the words that we say, but the words that we text and the words that we post as well. I also believe that Paul would include in this category of unwholesome words, not just the words that we say or the content of our speech, but the quality of our speech as well, which would include our tone and our timing. You see, I believe Paul is making a pretty big deal about the words and the type of words that you and I use on a consistent or a daily basis. Matter of fact, if you were to take the word that he used to describe all of these words, unwholesome in its original language actually means rotten. If you were to find that word otherwhere, uh, other places in scripture, um, it would be used to describe rotten fruit or decaying animals, okay? So you can see that Paul's making a pretty big deal about this. So I decided I wanted to give you guys just a word a picture, a description of kind of the, the, the quality of these words. So I went to the grocery store this week and I, I went to the produce department and I walked up to one of the assistant managers that were there and I said, hey, listen, I'm looking for something that's rotten. You got any rotten fruit that I can, that I can have? And the guy just looked at me kind of funny and he goes, no, we don't really have any rotten fruit here. And I was like, man, I used to work at a grocery store. I know you got some rotten fruit somewhere, okay? He goes, okay, yeah, we've got some rotten fruit. And that's sort of about that time another manager walks up and wants to see how they can help. And I, I said, I'm trying to get some rotten fruit. And they began to talk about it and they said, well, we can, we've got some rotten fruit, but we don't think we can sell it to you. I said, well, good, because I don't want to buy it. I just want it, you know? So if you'll just go back in the back and get me some rotten fruit, you know? And so as they began to debate whether or not they could let this give me some rotten fruit, they go back in the back, and this is kind of what they find back there, all right? 
Um, this is, gives you a real clear picture of what Paul is talking about when he talks about unwholesome words. He's talking about words that are rotten. And so as I'm about to walk out of the store, they said, we don't know if we really can let you go out of the store with this. You don't understand. If we let you out of the store with this kind of fruit, he said, we could get in trouble or people could get sick. And I thought, man, that's it, isn't it? That's why Paul's telling us, you just shouldn't let anything rotten out of your life, number one, because it can get you into trouble. I mean, think about it. The, the, some of your greatest regrets in life, some of the greatest problems that you've created for yourself usually center around the words that you let out of your mouth. Rotten words, unwholesome words really get us into trouble, don't they? Um, a, a years ago, when I was in high school, I actually worked at a grocery store and uh, I had moved my way up from a sacker. I was working in the back as, as a, a part of the dairy and frozen foods department. And man, we had a great thing going there. A lot of my friends were working there in various departments and that sort of thing. We had a really good time working there until we got a new manager one day. And um, that new manager came in and re really began changing some of the policies and the way that we were doing things. And none of us really liked it. No, matter of fact, none of us really liked the manager, to be honest with you. And so one day I walked into work and found out that one of my good friends, guy that worked as a stalker in the back, was actually let go. He was fired. And I couldn't believe it because he was one of the hardest working guys we were there. He was one of my good friends. And man, I was just really upset about the whole thing. So I went back to work and I was doing my thing. And I got to thinking about it. And I thought, you know what? I, want, I wonder what everybody else thinks about this. So I, I, I went over to our intercom system and our intercom system had two buttons. It had a red line and a green line. And so I got on my intercom system and I pushed the button which paged everybody across the store and I said, hey Adam over in produce, pick up the red line. Adam in produce, pick up the red line. Man, I was so mad. And so he picks up the red line and then as he picks up the red line, I begin talking about, you know, I can't believe this manager, what he said and what he did and who does this guy think he is? We've been here, man, we've been working here for like nine months. Who does this guy think he is coming in and messing with our stuff, you know? And so I was going on and on about how much I disliked this manager and how he was messing things up and it was going on and on on the red line, my friend Adam over in produce. But what I didn't realize was that the manager uh, that I didn't like, that I disliked a lot, actually picked up the red line too. And he was listening into our entire conversation as I was letting a whole lot of rotten speech come out of my mouth. And the, the last thing that I heard on the red line that day was, Greg, I'll take that as your resignation. <laughs> that was the last day I worked at that grocery store. I'll tell you this, rotten speech will get you into a lot of trouble. And here's the thing, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We said that when God commands something of us or commands something from us, it's often because he wants something for us. When God gives us this command to let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, what he's, what he's doing is he's trying to save us from a lot of grief, headache, and regret in our life. Think about it, your greatest regrets in your life, most of your greatest regrets in your life really center around the speech that's come out of your mouth. That's why Paul's making a big deal about it. He said, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth because it'll get you into trouble. The other reason we don't wanna let unwholesome words come out of our mouth because it makes people sick. And we've talked about that over the past couple of weeks about the power that words have on people's lives. You know that it affects your relationships. We've experienced that personally, right? But the words that we say have such a dramatic on people that they have the ability to even crush the faith of other people. They have the ability to destroy people's hope. 
They damage other people's identity. Here's the truth, that your words always produce a harvest. They could really make people sick. It could really affect people's lives. And if you, if you think already, Paul's making a big deal about our words. Take a look at what he says in the very next passage. Ephesians 4.30, this is what he says. And he says, with our words, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What does he mean by that? What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? How can our words produce such or elicit such a response from the Spirit of God? I'll tell you why. It's because the Spirit of God is at work not only in you, but he's at work in everybody around us. And it is possible with your words that you can undo or undermine the, the work of the Spirit in other people's lives. And you know this because it's happened in your life or many of your lives as well. You've experienced it personally because somebody has said something to you that has such a profound effect on you. It has affected you or impacted you so much that when you begin to think about the truth about what God says about you or what he says about your future or what he, what he believes believes about you or what he believes about your past, it makes the truths of God almost impossible to believe because you're filtering it through what other people have said about you. Do you see that your words can undermine or undo the impact that the Spirit of God is having in other people's lives? That's why he's making such a big deal about it. He says it grieves the heart of God when we undermine the Spirit's work in other people's lives. There's another reason why I think Paul says that it grieves the Spirit of God, it doesn't just undermine or undo the work of the Spirit in other people's lives, but the words that we say undermine and undo the work of the Spirit of God in our own lives. I honestly believe this is one of the most overlooked, unappreciated effects that our words has, that our words have a dramatic effect on us as well. Let me explain this. If you were to look at uh, Ephesians chapter four in its entirety, at the beginning of the passage, Paul actually goes into this lengthy discourse about how the Spirit of God is at work inside of us, transforming us into a new person. The, the Spirit of God is putting to death all of the old ways that we used to operate and creating us something that is new. But here's the truth about our words. Our words add fuel to our thoughts and emotions. So every time, Every time you allow unwholesome or impure or rotten speech to come out of your life, what you're doing is you're adding fuel to that part of your life that the Spirit is working to put to death. Do you see how that works? That every time you allow gossip to come out of your life, what you're doing is you're adding fuel to the jealousy and the envy that is inside of you, and it doesn't make it better, does it? It makes it worse. Every time you allow harsh words to come out of your life or angry words to come out of your life, what you're doing is you're adding fuel to the anger and the bitterness that's inside your heart. And it doesn't make it better, does it? It makes it worse. Every time that you allow, uh, you use profane or obscene language, what you're doing is you're adding fuel uh, to your heart's propensity towards impurity. And it doesn't make things better, does it? It makes things worse. Do you see that our words add fuel to our thoughts and our emotions? And every time we use words that the Bible describes as unwholesome or impure, rotten, what we're doing is we're fueling that part of our life that the Spirit is really working to put to death. 
Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, oh, no, Greg, when I say things like that or when I allow words to come out of my mouth that are like that, you know, I just don't mean them. It's just a, it's just a way for me to kind of vent my emotions and just kind of get it out and that sort of thing. And I understand that that's kind of the wisdom of the day. But I want you to understand there's some wisdom from one of the wisest men that ever lived. His name was Solomon. I want you to hear this pretty profound thing that he wrote in Proverbs 29, verse 11. This is what he says. He says, it's a fool who gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. There's something that I think that Solomon understood that I think we would do well to understand as well, that it's our words that add fuel to our thoughts and our emotions, and we would do well to be careful about the things that we say. Now, you can see that Paul's making a pretty big deal about it, but it begs the question, okay, Greg, how in the world are we supposed to avoid saying things that we're gonna regret? I know it's a big deal, (laughs) and I know that I need to avoid the words that are gonna cause regret in my life, so how do I do it? Well, in this passage, I wanna show you two um, really practical ways in which we can avoid saying things that we're going to regret. The first thing is, is that you need to replace your words. Take a look at our next passage here, uh, or the passage again. It says in uh, Ephesians 4, 29, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you see what he's saying here is that you and I have a choice. That every, for every word that we use, we actually have a choice whether we're gonna choose to use unwholesome words or we're gonna choose, use, choose, choose to use words that are going to build other people up. That you and I have a choice in the matter. But so you're asking the question, well, how in the world do I choose right? Because so often I choose wrong in this situation. The way that, the best way that you and I can replace our words is to meditate on God's words. Let me, tell you, let me show you this verse in uh, Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. I think it is so clear. Listen to what it says. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. One of the things I love about what the psalmist says here is he makes this really clear connection between the meditations of our heart and the words that come out of our mouth. What he's saying here is that there's an inseparable link between what you meditate, what you dwell on in your heart, and the words that come out of your mouth. So so we can say it this way, the best way that you and I can replace the words that come out of our heart is to meditate on God's words. Let me show you how this works. Maybe for you, um, jealousy has gripped your heart, jealousy and envy, and it always comes out in the form of gossip and slander. And you're trying to figure out how do I make sure in those moments that I don't say the wrong thing and that I don't inadvertently add fuel to that part of, the, of my life that the Spirit is trying to put to death. Maybe you, you add a verse like this and you look at Philippians chapter two, verse three, and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, or rather in humility, value others above yourselves. And you meditate on God's words. And as you meditate on God's words, the Spirit of God begins to produce something new in your life. And instead of gossip, eventually honor comes out. You see how that works? Maybe, maybe some of you are really trapped in the grips of anger and bitterness, and those are the kind of words that continually flow out of your mouth, in the form of harsh words or angry words. Maybe your verse is this, it's Colossians 3.13. It's forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
And as you begin to meditate on the, 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 just the power, the idea that, that you have been forgiven, the extent to which God was willing to forgive you and demonstrate his grace and his mercy towards you, you realize that it's crazy to withhold that same grace and mercy to other people. And so in that moment, as you begin to meditate on those words, what happens is instead of anger and rage and, and, and harsh words come out, the words of grace and the words of forgiveness come out of your mouth instead. Maybe some of you are just caught in this, this cycle of negativity and it just seems that the only words that ever come out of your words are words of complaint and words of criticism. Well, maybe your, your verse is the verse that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 that says that we should give thanks in all circumstances. And as you begin to take stock of all the, the incredible blessings that God has given you, and even in the most difficult circumstances, you see God at work, what begins to happen is the words that come out of your mouth are no longer words of complaint and criticism, but words of thanksgiving and praise and rejoicing. Do you see that God's word is powerful enough through the work of the Spirit to transform even the hardest hearts, he can transform your, word, your words through his word. The best way that we replace our words is by meditating on God's words. The second thing I think I would like to show you this morning out of God's word um, is uh, that uh, it's, it's another tool that we can use. Now, at the beginning of the service, we talked about we wish we had a rewind button. The truth is, is that I've got a button that's even better than that. It's this button right here. For most of us, the best thing that we could do in situations where we're tempted to speak and we're tempted to speak words that are unwholesome, we know are impure, that are unhelpful, that are, gonna, uh, that are, that are words of criticism, that aren't gonna build people up, is instead of speaking those words, is to simply hit pause. And I'll tell you where I got it from. It's in James chapter one, verse 19. Take a look at this passage. James, the brother Jesus says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, when he says this, like he's going, guys, what I'm about to say is so profound, so important, it will change your life so much that you need to get out a piece of paper and a pen and you need to write this down. He says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let me tell you what, if we apply this principle or in this passage properly, what this is actually gonna do for us. Number one, it's gonna eliminate uh, any room for emotion. When we are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, it eliminates any room for emotion to take over our conversations, doesn't it? Look at the order in which he says this, that if we are quick to listen, and we're slow to speak, it's almost as if he's saying then we'll be slow to become angry. You could flip the order of this and the, and, and the opposite of this would actually be true as well. He says, if you are slow to listen and quick to speak, you're gonna be quick to become angry. Do you see how that works? That in, 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 in being quick to listen and slow to speak, what happens is, is we eliminate any room for our emotions. It's as if James was telling us that our emotions often, um, often are preceded by our words, that our emotions often follow our words. And so if we're slow to speak, our emotions will be slow uh, to catch up as well. The second thing I want you to see is that when we are quick to listen and slow to speak, we make room for wisdom. 
What he's saying is here, the longer that you listen, the more you'll learn and the less angry you'll become. I mean, when was the last time you had a conversation in which you got really worked up about something and you began to build this narrative in your mind about what they said and how they said it and the motives behind what they did and you got all worked up about it and you go to have this conversation with that somebody and you find out a new piece of information that completely changes the story and you go, oh man, if I knew that, I would, I mean, that, that changes everything, right? Here's the truth. Most of the time when we get so worked up in our conversations with people, it's because we don't have all the information. We don't understand fully the situation. This is what he's saying here. If we are quick to listen and slow to speak, we actually make room for wisdom. Look at what Proverbs chapter four, verse seven says. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this. This is where wisdom begins. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all that you have, get understanding. You and I are just quick to listen and slow to speak. We'll understand more where, where our loved ones and our friends are coming from, and it would change the dynamic of our conversations, wouldn't it? So a couple weeks ago, we just... Matter of fact, it was just a week ago. It's hard to believe that a week ago we got off the buses from our high school camp. And guys, it was one of the best camps. But this is my 21st camp with Lake Point Church. And I'm telling you, it was one of the best. I mean, we just saw God do some amazing things. But there's a similar story that plays out at almost every camp that we go to. Um, because we brought almost 1,200 people this year to our high school camp up in Colorado. And with that, we, there was a large percentage of those kids that don't come from any church background. Matter of fact, they come from difficult homes and just a variety of different backgrounds and that sort of thing. And so every once in a while, we have some kids that like to get into trouble, okay? So we have a great security team, make sure that our kids stay in line. They, um, they're, they're following the rules. They're keeping the, in, within the bounds and that sort of thing of camp. But every once in a while, there's a group of kids that, that breaks those rules and we have to kind of enforce those rules. And so this story plays out every year. One of the kids breaks the rules, he breaks curfew or that sort of thing, and our safety team or security team brings him in. And it happened this past week. This kid walks in and man, he's just mouthing off to everybody. And he's just, he's been a problem for most of our small group leaders and, and, and security team all week long. And man, the tensions are really high in that moment because not just because of what the kid did, but now what the kid was saying. And everybody's just getting really fired up and angry in that moment. But I love the story of one of our security team because he just stopped in the moment. He said, everybody sit down. And he looked at the kid and this is what he said. He said, hey man, just tell me your story. Tell me, tell me where you come from. And it just diffused the situation. But in the next two to three minutes, this kid just began to unpack his background about where he came from and the home that he lives in. Uh, the schools that he's been bounced around over the past couple of years. And in the, in the next few minute moments, we began to get an understanding of where this kid came from and what was going on in his life. And I can tell you this, that, that our security team was not angry anymore. They, after hearing his story, they were heartbroken. They heard about just what this kid had been through. Matter, matter of fact, it made a lot of the things that he was doing made a whole lot of sense. The reason he was acting was because of where he came from. You see, one of the things I love about our security team is that they get this principle. In that moment, they were quick to listen and slow to speak, and their anger was slow to come, right? I, I can only imagine what it would be like if in our next heated conversation, we would apply this principle. What would it look like if you and I were to apply this principle to all of our conversations? What would it have looked like if in your last conversation where you let some words go that you regretted, if you were able to apply this principle here, that you were quick to listen and slow to speak. 
You were quick to listen and you were slow to speak. I really believe, guys, that if we could just hit the pause button every once in a while, you and I would begin to have words that come out of our mouth that not only honor God, but that are beneficial to build other people up, the, one, the people that we love, the people that we work with. It would make a significant difference in all of our lives, wouldn't it? If we were quick to listen, slow to speak. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much for your words today, God how powerful they are, but how practical they are as well. God, you understand what it is to live and walk in the face of this earth, God, and face the challenges that we face every day, God. So we're grateful that you could provide this wisdom um, and encouragement for us today. God, I pray that you would help us to, to speak words that are not unwholesome, but words that, are, uh, that will build others up, that will be beneficial to those that listen, God, that will give grace to those who hear. Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for your son. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital.